This is Wholesaling Houses Elite, the no fluff and BS podcast with tips and tricks to help you become an elite wholesaler. Our guest will spill the beans on what it takes to be the best. This podcast is brought to you by Lead Gen Pros, making it incredibly easy for the average real estate investor and business owner to get more leads. They work with a variety of companies who specialize in real estate investing and who are looking for a systemized way to increase their lead flow and grow their business. If that sounds like you, check out theleadgenpros.com. Hey, what's up, beautiful people? Welcome to another podcast. I am Max Maxwell, and sitting in front of me is a friend of mine and also somebody that is very successful in their own right, my guy Vincent Harris, originally from D.C., but now living in New Jersey. Um, Vince, I'm just going to take me a while because I'm going to introduce you guys. But listen, if you're listening right now on YouTube, please give me a thumbs up. If you are watching on YouTube, give me a thumbs up. If you are listening on iTunes, or Spotify, please give me a five-star rating so we can keep climbing in the ranks because I want to keep giving you valuable content. But back to Vincent, back to Vince. Um, you come from Wall Street, right? So your background is in Wall Street, um, straight out of undergrad, and you've responsible for over a billion dollars in transactions between funds, commercial, and real estate. You're actively flipping real estate now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, all day. So you're actively wholesaling as well? Yeah, still wholesale. So you're a guru. I am. I suppose you could say I'm a guru. You're yeah. guru, man, unless you're a guru. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely not a guru. All right, cool. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Vincent is a, a, a guru. He does he does real estate. He comes from uh, the Wall Street background, financial uh, services background. And, you know, I'm honored to call him a friend. Uh, we t linked up when we started doing REI Rail. Uh, it's been an amazing journey. I love that the software we're developing every day. Um, he was with me when we bought REI Skip. Um, just all of that stuff. But today we're here to talk about a topic that the word's been thrown around a lot. Yeah, I've heard so much about it that I'm not 100% sure what it is. And that's why we come here today to clarify things. So we're here today to talk about opportunity funds, opportunity zones, and stuff like that. But before we get into that, before we start yeah. talking about opportunity funds and zones, tell me a little bit about your history, your background. <clears throat> yeah, sure. I, um, as you said, I'm from D.C. originally. Mm -hmm. I, uh, well, I was born in Houston, but um, so funny story. Texas. Texas. I'll tell you about Texas people. <laughs> so my mom was actually already living in D.C. Okay. And at eight plus months pregnant, she flew back to Houston to have me so that I could be a Texan. True story. So she wanted you to be a she Texan, hundred percent. And most people, that's dedication. That's dedication. But Texans, when I tell that story, they're your Texas fans will hear that story and go, "Well, yeah, of course she did. Like, what else would she do? Right? <laughs> like, makes sense. I mean, makes sense. Wants to be born in DC. Yeah. So that's that's just how <laughs> they, they they built a little bit different in Texas. So um so yeah so I was born there, but I grew up in DC, and uh, this is the '80s, so not the DC of today, <clears throat> which is um you know a totally different, uh, very international. Uh, Mm -hmm. impossible to afford place. Yeah. Yeah. So grew up there in the eighties and then, um, went to UVA, uh, undergrad and did a little bit of consulting after that. And then pretty quickly got into financial services. Mm -hmm. So, um, financial services. So wait, wait, so you yeah, went yeah. to UAV? UVA, University UVA, of Virginia. Sorry, the, uh, the, the national NCAA champs, uh, in I basketball. Just, I just wanted to clarify cause I was talking to Dave the other day. Yeah, I was like, that, Dave, yeah. who won? Who won the championship? Because yeah. you know we don't watch sports like that. Yeah. Like, so that one. That one. Okay. That one, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that part. Okay. That continue. Part. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, so I went to UVA. In fact, that's where I met Justin. Okay. So, yeah, Justin and I have been friends. Uh, I'm what was he doing? Running the library or something? <laughs> you, <laughs> you know you're going to see this. Yeah, I so, know. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, he's a smart brother. That's why I said, was hey, he listen, running the library? Super smart. So, Justin was actually my peer advisor. Um, yeah, so he was a couple years ahead of me at mm-hmm. UVA, and uh, I had the great good fortune that they assigned him to me. That's um, awesome. Yeah, UVA had done a really good job of trying to make sure that black folks matriculated all the way through. Mm-hmm. And part of the way they did that was connect you with a successful person who was a few years ahead of you. Yeah. So Justin was my guy. Got it. Okay. So yeah, so that's where we met, man. And uh, what's crazy is that that was, I, I'm afraid to say out loud, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, man. You know, I'm old, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. old. Yeah. So anyway, so me and this dude, you know, we've been rocking, you know, since back then. That's, that's uh, one of my dearest friends. And also my business partner, obviously. So, uh, so came out of UVA and did a little bit of consulting. I was at Accenture for a couple years. Um, you know, it was okay. I learned a lot. You know, I got a brand name thing on my resume, but then pretty quickly pivoted over to financial services. Mm-hmm. And uh, first firm I was with was Morgan Stanley. Okay, so you went right to the big dog, top three. I mean, if you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Yeah, you might So you went to the t- one of the top three firms, usually one or two. Usually. Yeah, it's usually Goldman and Morgan Stanley. Uh, they they kind of toggle back and forth from one and two. And... Um, it's interesting, man. When I got there, I was in their their retail group. I was explaining earlier in the green room. Um, if folks have seen the movie The Pursuit of Happiness, yeah. that is not that far fetched. That's actually pretty close to real life. So you're talking about like cold calling and all that stuff like that? All day. All day. Really? Yeah, a couple hundred calls a day. It's just smile and dial. So tell me who are you calling as a cold caller? So you're calling anybody that you think has wealth. Uh, maybe that's executives, but maybe it's retirees or folks who are about mm-hmm. to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I was in Houston, so I was calling a lot of petrochem execs, a lot of folks who were at Exxon. Um, if you work at Exxon more than 10 years, you're going to leave with at least seven figures. Yeah. It, it just, period. That's just going That's to happen. Works. That's just how it works. So calling a lot of those and, and uh, you know, investing their 401ks that they were rolling over and things like that, doing financial planning, et cetera, um, and, uh, and enjoyed it. But, you know, a couple of years into it, I met a guy who actually changed my perspective, changed my business, kind of changed my life in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, he was a very senior. Uh, he wasn't a broker. He actually was doing institutional business. And I remember he's a black guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, man, he said, you know, what you do for a living is so much harder than what I do. Mm. Because he said, you have to cold call somebody, build rapport, convince them to trust you, give you their life savings to invest. That's everything they ever earned the in their life. On the phone. You never meet any of these people. Yeah, not until you're ready to start actually having a serious yeah. conversation. You know, obviously you, you close in person, but um, he said, man, you know, that's their life savings. That's everything they got. Everything. He said, man, what I do is, you know, I'm doing this, but on an institutional level, and I'm selling the same stocks and bonds. Typically it was bonds. He was a fixed income guy. But I'm selling to people who it's not their money. And I said, man, you know, that's a great point. He said, when you're dealing with people and it's not their money, it's a whole different thing. Oh, yeah. Yes, they have to like me, but they don't have to like me that much. <laughs> right? <laughs> so um, so kind of changed my life. So I actually switched. And I got onto the institutional side of the business, so bigger dollars, uh, different kinds of products. Still a lot of cold calling. But now, rather than trying to convince somebody to give me a couple hundred thousand dollars to invest or $500,000 to invest, you know, my first trade with him was a million bucks over the phone. Mm-hmm. Right? As a guy I'd never met before. Cold called him and so what uh, is it like? You call uh, uh, somebody that's that's managing employees' funds or something like that? Yeah, so it would be like um, you know the finance director of you know Clark County, Nevada, mm. right? That was actually one of my clients, or <laughs> you know um, the the finance director of you you name the city. Yeah, county, yeah, I right? got it, I got it. So right? they're managing the funds, the finances of their employees exactly. in their four hundred one k, and you're calling to say, hey, look. 
put it where we say put it. Let me let me run it because I, I got go. a proven track record or our company has a proven track record. Exactly right. So I got to trade on the brand a lot. I got to trade on that Morgan Stanley brand mm-hmm. a lot. But yeah, so it's still a cold call. You know, you still never met the guy. Yeah. And, and in that business, it, you don't really get in person. You got to close over the phone. Mm-hmm. So REIRL would have been perfect for you Brother, back in the day. Listen to me. I, I can't tell you how many times I have thought to myself, imagine if I had REI Rail. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, hey, Tom, you, hey, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're still playing golf, Tom, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, we had to figure it out then. And uh, yeah, I remember that first sale that I did. If folks have watched a lot of Wall Street movies, you see where they cut the guy's tie when he gets his first big trade. Mm-hmm. So Anthony, who was my senior, he, uh, he cut my tie, and we went out and painted the town red and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so um, it just... You know, it made me aware of a world that I didn't know exist mm-hmm. existed, right? It was um, and and retail business is good, and that that's I learned a lot, you know, and and did a bunch of numbers there. But um, you know, when when you're doing trades over the phone that are five and ten million bucks a pop, um, in some ways it makes you jaded to money. Yeah, because um, just a number at that point. It's just a number, you Man. know. And I used to come home to my wife, and she'd be like, "You're becoming so jaded about." <laughs> About money, but it also uh, gives you an awareness of how much bigger this game really is, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is well, you got to have the abundance mindset in that position you are because you're making five million dollar phone calls. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. That- yeah. So making trades that are you know two five you know maybe more million dollars a pop, you know, um, and you do get jaded to it, but you get used to it. But you again, you just begin to understand this bigger world of finance, right? Mm-hmm. And so a mentor, you say, you know, yeah, the money's in the money. Right. Mm. I never I said, man, that's the I money like the, is in the money. The money's in the money. What does that right. mean? Right. So if you can figure out how money works, right, and, and hard assets are absolutely important and, and things like that. But his point was just if you can just understand how money works, um, you know, the capital markets and things like that, um, it's a whole different world, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's really where the big dogs play, you know, so the money's in the money. So I was focusing on fixed income, which is just bonds. It's just, it's just a fancy way to say, you know, bonds, whether that's treasuries or municipal bonds or what have mm-hmm. you. Um, but I learned a lot. So anyway, did that. And then um, then I went to Bank of America, did more of the same. Uh, I was managing money for foundations, endowments, things like that. And then I went, to, uh, decided to go back and get another degree, went back to UVA um, and got an MBA in finance and strategy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was there... <laughs> I couldn't have timed it any worse. I was there right before the crash hit. Mm-hmm. So you were at the university right before the crash. Yeah. So I went in in 07. Mm, right before the right crash. Right before. I mean, it was uh, it was scary, man. Yeah. You know, you got a bunch of MBAs that would literally gather around the monitor in the main hallway and just look, and just look like just watch the market tumbling, you know, just tumbling. So, um, but that was an amazing experience. Spent two more years in Charlottesville, which I love. You know, um, my summer between first and second year, I actually decided to do something that was not finance. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my other love is is media and film and storytelling mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, I told you he writes well. So yeah, I've been writing all my life. You know, that's how I got into school. Paid for for my undergrad with a fellowship for mm-hmm. some writing and things like that. And uh, I decided, you know what. Um, I can go do finance again. I can do it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Let me go do something else. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. Number one, I had an offer from Lehman Brothers to work my summer at Lehman. I passed mm. and I went to Disney. Wow. Instead. Best move I could have ever made. <laughs> so you passed out Lehman Brothers. Yeah, passed on Lehman Brothers, who none of us knew, you know, six months later they'd be out of business. Exactly. So not a right? bad move anyways. And not, then and then yeah. you went to Disney. 
Went to Disney. Um, <clears throat> played Mickey. How long were you? Did you play Mickey Mouse? So, so, you didn't do so they put they put me in the suit. I had the, the big. <laughs> that um, wasn't you. That wasn't me. That was a tall um, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, well, I, you know, Mickey Mouse. That's not a bad gig though. That was he, not. He, he got benefits. One hundred percent. But yeah, man. So I went out there. I spent the summer and uh, was on the lot, and I was uh, reporting to the chief marketing officer in the president's studio. It was a uh, it was a group that they had never had an intern before, mm. and I just. Um, you know, listen, I, I spent my career on the phone. So, you know, I found a way to finagle and uh, found a way in. And I was the first hire, NBA hire they had ever done and uh, created a report for them that they still use to this day uh, mm. to help them figure out, you know, how what makes a franchise work, a movie franchise work. Anyway, that's uh, it was just an, it was an amazing time. That's interesting. y'all. I'm actually learning something about Vince <clears throat> as y'all are learning at the same time. Yeah, that's I, cool. Well, you know, and, and Justin mentioned this too. So we have very weird eclectic backgrounds, which is part of why we work. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and me and you were talking as I was coming in. You have done a little bit of everything. A lot. I'm right? going to divulge that one day in, in, uh, in on the video. I learned some stuff today that I didn't know that you had done. Right. And I think that uh, entrepreneurs are just curious. Right. And I think that's, that's really what that was. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I was curious. I got to scratch that itch. Mm -hmm. And... Um, did that, and then actually coming out of, uh, so going back to my second year at B-School, I was going to, I had been asked to run a fund for Dave Matthews' company. Um, Dave Matthews, the recording artist. Dave Matthews' band. Dave, hugely successful. Yeah. And who is, I think one, isn't it one of their guys is from North Carolina. Yeah, I think. The uh, black guy. I think, um, yeah, you're right. Guy? He is. Yeah. He is. He ate, he's my dad's restaurant when he was in town. Get out of here. Yeah. Dude, that organization around Dave is uh, so much bigger and so much more successful than people realize. Um, anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. He has his hands in a lot of stuff. He's an entrepreneur. He's not yeah. just a musician. Yeah. So what, his right hand uh, said, well, look, Vince, we want you to run this fund. We're starting a film fund. And uh, I said, well, man, this is amazing. I get to do the finance thing. And you got the passion. And the movie thing, the yeah. passion thing. I win. You know, I hit the lotto. Mm -hmm. Game over. Thanks for playing. Um, and then the crisis hit. <sighs> Have a moment of silence. No, yeah, I'm moment of silence. So, <laughs> so crisis hits, and uh, they say, "Well, look, man, um, we don't know how long this is going to last. Hopefully, they, in, in technical speak, they call it a dislocation in the market. Mm -hmm. uh, that major dislocation is what we came to know as the Great Recession. Got it. So um, they're not able to raise the capital that they want, and they say, "Well, look, go and take a regular gig. Hopefully, this thing will sort itself out. We'll get back in gear. Wasn't that easy." Wasn't that easy, never happened. So I ended up taking a job at uh, Prudential, mm -hmm. and I was working again on the institutional side of things, and this time I was on what they call the buy side. And so the sell side and the buy side, super briefly, um, sell side just means you're doing what I was saying. You're selling products out there, whether it's to retail folks mm -hmm. or to institutions, but you're selling, mm -hmm. right? On the buy side, it's actually you are representing the firm, putting the firm's capital to work. Got it. So right. the money that they bring in, Correct. You put it to use. Yeah. So with big insurance companies, they have billions, hundreds of billions of dollars on their balance sheet that they have to put to work mm -hmm. um, in order to pay out your insurance claims and you make a claim. And so uh, I was at a $60 billion fund that they had carved out. And, uh, you know, during the course of my time there, I was there for about three years. And we put about a billion dollars to work out the door. So, again, I get jaded about money. Mm -hmm. You know, the first deal I ever did when I was there was $100 million. You know, yeah, and okay. I just, you know, um, and I just, I don't know any other way to think about money at this point. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I did that and, but along the way I was buying real estate 
Yeah, nothing crazy, you know, but my wife and I had decided that if we ever buy a house, we'll just never sell it, mm-hmm. right? That was our way to sort of back into a portfolio. So we did that. We had some rentals, and then I was, you know, starting to get the itch to do my own thing. Um, it was clear that the Dave Matthews thing was not going to sort itself out. The capital yeah. markets were totally effed. And so I started going, well, what, you know, I got to do something else. I had a little, you know, I had something stacked. Yeah. You know, I've been blessed. And um, I said, all right, well, I'm going to do something different. And so um, I left. And uh, the first thing I did was actually, I went to India. And um, I did that because a buddy of mine, one of my classmates, runs a power company. Doing some amazing things there. Bringing electricity out to very rural folks in Mm -hmm. India. And so I took a film crew out there and we jumped around India, three different cities. Following your passion again. Yeah, following my passion, right. Um, And I'm blessed that I was able to do that. I said, you know, I'm just going to take six months and just, you know, and, and that's what, like, kind of what I was talking about, that's what even, like, if you get into wholesaling and it's totally not, like, real estate don't really have to be your full passion. Yeah. Just entrepreneur. And then that money allows you to go do these things that you that's right. want to do. It's, it's your it's your car. It's that's your, exactly it's your, right. Yeah. So keep going. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, well, so that's a perfect segue because when I came back from India, I said, all right, well, you know, I need to, you know, the stack ain't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to get back to work. So I started buying some more properties, and I discovered I heard somebody talk about wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Never heard it. I've been a landlord. I've done flipped houses, right? Um, multiple states, big commercial deals. Never heard of a wholesaler. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear one of these ads. You know the ones, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And Hotel ads. Hotel, come, come, come. Free course. Yeah. Listen, I will learn from anybody. Yeah, that you want to give it. You dig? And so. Um, Thankfully, I'm not that guy that says, oh, well, you know, I've done X, Y, Z. I can't learn. Never get to that place. Never be there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know, what? I'll go. I'm curious. So I go and I do this little seminar and a guy says, well, you know, you don't have to worry about tenants and toilets. You can get in, get out and get paid. And you buy it ugly and sell it ugly. Buy it ugly and sell it ugly. That's the first time I've heard that one. I said, man, that's uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And again, coming from my background, all we do on Wall Street and financial services is sell paper. You just move paper. You're just moving paper around. So they say, yeah, you can just assign that contract and catch a little check. You can double close on that house, catch a little check, buy it ugly, sell it ugly. I said, man, this is genius. Mm-hmm. I looked around the room, and this is where a little bit of my ego got in there. I looked around the room, and I said, if these cats are there, <laughs> I know I can do it. I know I can do it. So, um, so I still wasn't, to your point, I yeah. still wasn't thinking wholesaling or real estate was going to be my main thing. I was like, you know what, if I can just, you know, between my flips and stuff and mm-hmm. add this, if I can make a couple hundred and keep my lifestyle going and I'll figure out what I really want to do, um, then that'll be fine. And so I would reach out to Justin and I would say, hey, man, you know, I'm doing more deals here. And I got to where I was doing a deal every month and a couple of deals every month. And I would say, but, I, you know, I need some help with this piece of the business. Can you build a little applet that will do this? Can you build something to go and scrape mm-hmm. this data? Because I'm used to having data. I like data mm-hmm. before I make any decision. And so he would do that, and he would, you know, build little stuff. And then eventually we had enough things that he had built for me. He said, man, there's probably some products in here. And so that's what started, you know, uh, our business relationship in a more formal capacity where we started building stuff for investors, and then we started working with some really big investors. Mm-hmm. And um, he had some relationships down in D.C., Work with some really big house flippers, guys that were doing, you know, 50, 100 houses a year. Uh, more than that, even 150. They got up to nearly 200 one year. Um, flipping. Flipping, yeah. Non-scalable, so, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. yeah. But uh, 
So anyway, that's sort of me from undergrad to here and then along the way, um, I guess a year and a half or so ago when we met you, the, the next thing that was on our radar was the phone. Again, I spent back to the phone. Back to the phone. That's where I started. Um, and then, you know, you helped us to sort of crystallize what that looked like. Mm -hmm. and, and so out of that was born REI Rail. Love it. And um, that's been amazing, you know. But REI Rail, um, and I swear this all does tie to Opportunity Zones, um, it actually does involve and invoke Opportunity Zones because what we have seen in the data is that most of the folks who are using REI Rail are doing business in Opportunity Zones. Mm -hmm. So you're already there. Already there. Now, before we talk, before we get into opportunity zones, yeah, let's talk about just like what it is. Yeah, basic. What is an opportunity zone? Yeah, and why should we care as real estate investors, wholesalers, landlords? Sure. So, quick story on just the background of where it came from. Um, the story goes that uh, Sean Parker, who is uh, the the first president of Facebook, mm -hmm. if folks saw the Social Network, that movie about right. Mm -hmm. He's the uh, the character that Justin Timberlake was playing. Yep. Right. So Napster. Napster. Exactly right. So you know, for you young folks, y'all don't know. Yeah, I was going to say your crowd's a little younger than me, so they they may not remember Napster, but he really disrupted the music industry with Napster. Um, but he's a brilliant guy. He's eccentric, but he's a brilliant guy. And the story goes that he was doing some philanthropic work in East Africa. He was uh, I forget where exactly. But he was looking at just how devastating the poverty was, and he was he was thinking to himself, man, how can we get, you know, these government agencies are not going to do it. We need private capital to come in here and fix this. And so his mind started spinning. He's one of these guys. Mind starts spinning. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, $50 million goes to an initiative. So he, he comes up with this idea of uh, catalyzing and liberating all of this private capital, not government money. And he says, well, if in the States, what if we could d drive that money into... He didn't have the name Opportunity Zone at that point, but he says if we could, there's a bunch of folks who have made a bunch of money like me, this is him talking, and all that money is still sitting on the balance sheet. It's still paper gains, and folks are afraid to sell because the capital gains are going to be so crazy. Eat them up. Going to eat them up. Now, capital gains are the, is, is, a, is the, the profit in, in exactly yeah. that you make on a deal, stocks, bonds, anything, houses, real estate. That's right. That the government wants a big chunk of because it's capital gains. That's right. That's Yes, yeah, so, so I should have given that background. So so capital gains are just <clears throat> paper gains until you sell. Mm -hmm. right? So if you buy some Amazon stock and then it, it triples in value but you don't sell, yeah, you made money but not really. Because ain't, it ain't liquid yet. Because it can go down. Yet. Yeah, exactly. It can still go down. So he says, well, man, you know, I'm worth, again, Sean Parker talking, I'm worth about $2 billion, and most of that is capital gain from my Facebook stock. I know a bunch of other 30-something, 40-somethings who have all these paper gains, and there's all this money sitting on the sideline. That they don't want to sell because they don't want to pay the taxes. They don't want to pay the taxes. What if I could find a way, what if I could create a structure to free up all that money and pump it into these neighborhoods, right, in the States, um, that need it, and that's private capital, not government, bureaucratic, slow-moving money, mm -hmm. is his thinking. Um, and so that really is the genesis of Opportunity Zones. So my guy that created Napster, that tore up the music industry, that mm -hmm. was part of creating Facebook, yeah. is now creating or had the idea of Opportunity Zones. Get out of here. That's an Sorry innovator right there. He's an innovator. He's an entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. And a brilliant guy. Polymath. Um, again, he's got some other I need him on the podcast you should Sean Parker if you're watching you got somebody reach out to Sean Parker let him know I need him on the podcast at the real Maxwell um, 
he is genuinely community minded. I never, I never met the man, but I've read a lot about him. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, he connects with Tim Scott, who is a, a Republican senator mm-hmm. in South Carolina. Yep. So not terribly far from here. And uh, he says, I love it. He says, let's do it. So they propose a bill. They put their heads together. They get Cory Booker to co-sponsor this out bill. Out of New Jersey. Right, out of New Jersey, exactly right. Uh, former mayor of Newark and now senator. And they get bipartisan support. People say, man, this makes a lot of sense. You know, the Republicans like it because it's <coughs> it's market-driven, mm-hmm. you know. And the Dems like it because it's sort of socially focused. We're going to push this money into places that need it. Almost everybody wins. Almost everybody wins, right. So that's exactly what happened. Um, people got on board and said, all right, let's do it. So as part of the 2017, President Trump's 2017 tax bill, where he mm-hmm. cut taxes, um, this was sort of tucked in there. And so a lot of people overlooked it at first. And then, you know, some quants, you know, some folks, some wonks got in there and dug in and started really reading and said, holy crap. This is a great opportunity. This is enormous, right? Because the number is, and I don't know who did the math on it, but it's, it's reported often, is that there are $6.1 trillion. With a T, y'all, not a, a B. T. $6.1 trillion. In capital gains, in capital uncashed. Gains, uncashed, sitting on the sideline. So they said, if we can just unleash, you know, 2% of that, you know what I mean? Then we can do some real improvement in these communities. And so uh, so that was it, man. So it was off to the races at that point. So 2017 tax bill launches this thing. There's not much guidance on it. It's mm-hmm. still very vague. Mm-hmm. And you fast forward. So in October, they put out the first tranche of regulations that said, okay, here's how it's actually going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that was still a little bit vague. And so, you know, you and I had talked about maybe having this discussion yeah, um, months ago. Months ago, yeah. But, you know, I kind of wanted to wait until folks had a little bit more clarity. And and so two weeks ago, li- literally just two weeks wow. ago, they came out with the second tranche of regs that have given a lot more clarity about how these things operate. And um, it actually looks like it's more promising than folks thought. So let me let me wrap this up in a bubble. Yeah. So yep. if you're a real estate investor, if you want to create, if, if you want to start syndications, if you want to do all this stuff, if you're the, the more private money, that is in capital gains, which mm-hmm. is essentially paper gains. Yeah. So, right, if I'm sitting at the poker table and I'm up fifty thousand yeah. dollars, but I haven't asked for my chips yet, that's, right. that's called capital gains. That's called capital. But gains. the moment I actually cash them chips in, Uncle Sam's going to take some, so that's I right. keep playing. That's right. right. So that's the same thing these guys are doing with their capital gains. These guys are worth trillions. Yeah. Uh, Six point one trillion, I believe. Right. That's right. Six point one trillion dollars of uncashed in poker chips mm-hmm. because. The, get, the the cost on that would roughly be around uh, about two trillion, two and a half trillion dollars in taxes that the government would take from that. Yeah. So yeah. the reason <laughs> the reason why they don't cash in the chips. So then Sean Parker and a couple senators mm-hmm. come up with something that says, "Hey, let's create opportunity zones where, hey, look, you can take those capital gains mm-hmm. out untaxed mm-hmm. as long as you put them in an opportunity zone." Now, let's talk about what identifies an yeah. opportunity zone, right? Perfect. So, perfect summation. First of all, exactly. That's exactly right. So, <clears throat> um, and, and if anybody thinks that, you know, wants to get a gauge of what's a trillion dollars even mean, uh, the GDP of Japan is about four. So, we got 6.1 trillion sitting so, on the sideline. So, GDP is my gross domestic uh, product. Uh, yeah, product. Yeah. Japan is about four trillion. So, we got more than that more sitting than, that. than just. So, Question: I'm getting a little nerdy, real quick. Yeah. Wouldn't some institutions be a little bit wary of that this can be too good, and that money will start coming out of the 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 pro- 
because these are held in places like where you used to work. Yeah, well, so yes, potentially, but there is less concern about that because if you are, you know, if you sold some equity to somebody in Facebook, you know, you're Apple, you sold some equity to somebody and theirs has appreciated, the chances of you selling so much, I mean, Apple's got the GDP of a small country themselves. The chances of you selling so much of that stock that you depress the price. It won't happen. It's not going to happen. True. Okay, makes sense. So they're not terribly worried about it. Um, So, yeah, so fast forward. So now we've got some more regs around it. And what they basically said was that there are 9,000, roughly a little bit less, 9,000 census tracts around the country that qualify as opportunity zones. And to meet that standard, you have to have... um, 20 percent of well the people there in that tract have to make less than 80 percent of the people in the area okay um, or 20 percent or more meet the poverty definition for the country okay so if you meet one of those standards then the governors in those states were able to say okay i'm going to nominate this census tract to be an opportunity which came all the way down from city council which i just learned two days ago oh there you go so city councils was tasked at least locally here with identifying helping the governors identify opportunity zones that's exactly so it'd be passed up that's exactly right so it it bubbled from the ground up governors nominated a certain number about 8700 got knighted dubbed to be yes you are an opportunity zone and so now around the country and again a lot of the places where you know your followers and Mm -hmm. a lot of the rei rail customers are already active is in opportunity zones. Is in opportunity zones. Yeah, and they don't even know it. And so the reason, just to give you know the viewers a little bit of background, why we thought it was you know sort of relevant to talk about it is because you're already there. We want to help you to capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. We want to help you to understand how to play this game. Um, and so the, you know that that's why you know um, there's also been, as you might imagine, with this much money in play, so, you know there's some controversy. There's some people who say, oh well, this is just gonna you know end up you know, to beat this gentrifying, yeah, you know, right? Yeah, well, this, this is a good segue because yeah. my last two weeks of discussions have been yeah. talking about this, and you just got to figure out which part of the gentrification you want to be on. That's right. Yeah, um, owning some things means a lot. Being a, creating your own capital gains from this endeavor yeah. means you can go do it whatever you want. But let's let's not get into that one now. We'll talk about. We'll do that as yeah. We'll do that separately. Um, but you know, there there are there are some guardrails in place to keep. Uh, gentrification from running amok and to your point because I've watched a lot of um, Mm -hmm. your conversations about it which I think have been balanced and responsible Mm -hmm. and thoughtful so uh, kudos Um, there's some guardrails in place to try to keep it from doing just that just that right Um, could it go wrong absolutely anything can go wrong when it involves money when it involves money and that much money absolutely will there be abuse yeah sure probably 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. There's going to be abuse. There's going to be abuse. <laughs> Some people won't go to jail over this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? Some people will go to Somebody jail. Somebody is going to jail over Opportunity Zone. Yes. Make no mistake about it. Um, but the point is that this is coming. So let's talk Let's talk about who qualifies yeah. for an Opportunity Zone. So you're talking to credit investor? Yeah. So anybody can invest. The, the bigger thing is that you have to have the cap gains. Okay. Right? So you can't... Well, you can put... I don't want to get too in the weeds, but you can put fresh money into an opportunity zone project, it just won't get the same treatment. It'll be like a sidecar alongside your main investment. Mm-hmm. The biggest criteria is you gotta have the paper gains. You gotta have the poker chips. Right? So let's so let's talk to another part of my audience. Yeah. People that have been uh is, is that have been investing. Yeah. Uh you know, upper echelon W two folks yeah. that have been investing. Mm-hmm. They got some things sitting out, they haven't cashed out, they're yeah. looking at new opportunities. Yeah. Right now, because of the taxes, they can pull out some of their capital gains mm-hmm. and say, okay, I dedicate 
$250,000 right. of my capital gains towards going towards yeah. a fund or going towards some projects. Yeah. How do how does that get to the other side? How does somebody like that yeah. put it somewhere where it can be used without with, to take full maximum benefit? Sure, sure. So to, to participate in this, you have to go through a QOF, as they call it, a Qualified Opportunity Fund. Um, thankfully, a double-edged sword, I guess, uh, but mostly, thankfully, there's not a lot of red tape around who can start a QOF. Nearly anybody People could. will go to jail over that, too. People are going to go to jail over this. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, make no mistake. But, you know, it can be, uh, again, I won't get into the weeds on that, but starting a QOF is not uh, terrible. You self-certify, if that gives you any indication. Yeah, you self-certify and say that you're going to, you know, abide by the rules and you're going to invest in these opportunity zones, et cetera, et cetera. And so if this person who's a highly compensated W-2 employee has something, you know, sitting on the side in, in poker chips and they want to put it to work, they got to go through a QOF and you're going to want to look at the mandate of that opportunity fund to see if it lines up with, you know, not only your return uh, desires, but also your, your mission, right? Mm -hmm. Because these are supposed to be sort of missional impact, as they call it, investments. And so if you find one, maybe, you know, again, you and I were talking before this, there's a, a, a affordable housing opportunity fund uh, sponsor that we're in some talks with about maybe collaborating in some way. Mm -hmm. So if that's something that is important to you, if that's a passion of yours, if that's something that's uh, valuable, then you find an opportunity fund on one of the registries and you contact them and say, hey, look, I got $250,000 I want to put to work and um, I'm happy to let it sit in season. Oh, the seasoning part, we didn't talk about that. So um, the one thing that's important is that the goal, uh, again, and also to prevent some abuse, is to have folks be long-term minded. So you get some some benefits at five years where you know the gains that you pushed over there, they get some benefit. If you stay in there for seven years, you get some additional benefit, which I won't go into. But if you stay in there for a full 10 years, full 10. then all of the gain on that, that opportunity zone investment is wiped clean of taxes. So not only the, op, the, 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 the taxes that you would pay on the first set that you would take out from, from your capital gains, is tax-free. Well, that gets a, they call it a step up in basis. You okay. get a discount on your taxes on that. But all of the gains <laughs> coming from the next project there you go. is tax-free if you do the full 10 years. Exactly right. Woo! Exactly right. And for your real estate investors, they will appreciate this because there's an analog to 1031s. Mm -hmm. um, 1031s allow you to sell a property and then to put that money back to work in a similar, a like-kind property, they call it. But the problem with 1031s has always been you have to take all of the proceeds. Everything's got to go back into the pot of this new thing. Correct. With an opportunity fund, you don't have to do that. So let's say you've got a million dollars in paper gains in Apple stock. You can take and, and on, say, a million bucks invested and you made a million bucks. Then you can take your million dollars of principal out. You can take those chips off the table, put them back in your pocket, take the million dollars of gain and put it into an opportunity fund, which will grow at a, that gain will have a little bit of a tax, but discount it, but then mm -hmm. any additional gains will be tax-free. So if you're somebody who has done 1031s, um, this is pretty darn attractive. Because um, now you get to pull out. Now you get to pull out, exactly. So it's, uh, you know, people are calling it maybe the biggest tax program, maybe the biggest redevelopment program in the history of this country. It's, it's a lot of talk about it, but I think a lot of people don't know about it. And that's why I wanted to have, I'm looking at, I'm looking at now stuff on the computer about yeah. some stuff here locally. And, uh, 
man, it's, it's, this is going to be crazy. Well, the thing that's, again, for your audience to keep in mind is that you're already here in these spaces. And in the show notes, you know, I can give you some websites where you can go and check, mm-hmm. um, you know, if the pro- property that you're looking at is in an opportunity zone. Because if you're wholesaling, part of your pitch to your end buyer should be this property lies in an opportunity zone, right? You need to be smart with what you buy it with so you can. Absolutely. So, you know, educate them. Become an advisor, right? So part of the way that I was able to grow my wholesaling business is that I, I got to a place where I was a trusted advisor. You know, I had, my buyers used to call me about deals that weren't even mine. They say, hey, Vince, what do you think about this deal? Somebody mm-hmm. just showed me. And if you can ever get to that place, being a trusted advisor, your wholesaling business will skyrocket. Correct. Right? Um, also, if you're wholesaling, um, you know, if you are near, you know, an opportunity zone, then the likelihood of there being some spillover is huge. Right. I got to do I'm, I'm actually closing something next week. I'm not in an opportunity zone, but I'm two blocks away. Right. And I know that's why I got over asked. I got a lot over asked. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know that that's why, <laughs> because there's a lot of developments two blocks it's away coming. That, yeah, exactly. And that when we leave here, I'm actually going to show you some stuff that I bought and that's in the opportunity zone. Yeah. I mean, and if you don't mind me sharing, I mean. Yeah. This current building that we got is an opportunity zone. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about the the entrepreneur business side of, yeah. of the Opportunity Zone. So not only is it real estate, but people can put money in a yeah. business that operates in an Opportunity Zone. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> this was huge. This is a big point of clarification that came with the second tranche of regs. And uh, it basically said that if you operate, if you are, are working in an, an Opportunity Zone, um, the, the bar is actually pretty low. You either have to have 50% of the hours of the business get worked in that opportunity zone. So like here, right now, right now, right. Or 50% of uh, the expenses. So if you're highly paid people work there, but maybe the rest of your folks are offshore or something like that, you can still qualify. Mm -hmm. Or if the equipment in the opportunity zone is responsible for more than half of your revenues. Mm -hmm. So they made it very broad. And, And the point is that, here's another stat for you, they want to get investment capital into operating companies outside of the big hubs. Makes sense. So moving, yeah, right. So, so do you think we will see some bigger companies start and move to smaller places because they get like, for example, I mean, I, I pretty much know I'm, the answer is yes, but yeah. bigger companies starting to move into smaller markets because yeah. of the tax break they're going to receive from the capital gains yeah. that they have. They just open up a small headquarters or totally. satellite office here. You're going to see that, and you're going to see big venture capital firms willing to invest in those markets that you're talking about, mm. right? So a, a sort of sad <clears throat> stat is that 80% of venture capital last year went to three three states. Let me guess. California, New York, and Florida? Massachusetts. Ma- Harvard. Oh, yeah. 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 Massachusetts. Wow. California, New York, Massachusetts. 80% of venture capital went there. And so the idea is, you know, if there were enough incentives to bring venture capital to these other secondary and tertiary markets, then that capital will flow there. So, um, you know, you're here. Uh, we were already looking for new office space for the main REI Rail office, mm-hmm. but the place that we're actually about to lock up is in an opportunity zone. Yep. Right? So um, folks just need to be aware that all this is going on. Um, also, you know, if you went to an HBCU, half of HBCUs li- lie in an opportunity zone. This one here I'm about to show you. 
right? It's all around you, mm-hmm. right? The fact that you may not have heard about it or you may not be checking for it doesn't mean that you're not responsible for what's going to come of that mm-hmm. fact, right? So that that's why we wanted to talk about it with people. And, and one of the reasons that, um, you know, that we were so heavy into this months ago, one, yeah. this is just your background in general. You're just supposed to know this stuff <laughs> and want to be educated on it. Two is that, um, you know, we're considering yeah. the ifs and the possibilities of us raising funds. And we thought about it and we've, we, you know, we're thinking about it strongly. Yeah, and, fair. but we wouldn't, uh, we decided we probably wouldn't do anything under $50 million. Yeah. I think anything less than 50 million bucks, it would be hard to make a real dent. Correct. You know? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we've started to do, um, I, I think it's okay to share that is, uh, so we already, you know, in REI Rail, for example, um, you know, we give leads to some of our users. You know, if they're operating in markets where we know big players, um, if they have properties, people end up showing us properties all the time. This is just a natural course of the mm-hmm. way REI Real works. Mm-hmm. And and because we're so customer service based, they feel like family. The people in our group know that any time of day or night, they're likely to get a response yeah. from one of us. <laughs> um, and so that extends way beyond the software. It's, you know, giving them leads and showing them properties, helping them find buyers. And so one of the things as we are considering, you know, doing a fund uh, very seriously is first just to see what caliber of projects our users are coming across, mm-hmm. right? Because if we can harvest consistently a lot of deal flow, um, yeah, then maybe we do do a fund, you know, and we would do it, uh, we, we do something Significant. We wouldn't do it in a small way. No, no reason to do it small. So, yeah. if you had to talk to one our, you know, our audience now, you're talking to them now. Yeah. What would you say for to them yeah. about opportunity zones and why, or why not they should just start putting their ears to the street and start listening and educating themselves? Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's maybe it, it's certainly the hottest topic in finance right now. Not that you guys need to become nerds about finance, but I just, I have a passion around, again, just because you're not aware of it doesn't mean it doesn't impact you, right? That whole, you know, what you don't know won't hurt them, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. That's not true, right? And what you don't know can hurt you. Absolutely. Right? Either you're going to leave money on the table because you wholesaled the deal to somebody that was in the opportunity zone and you could have gotten more, right? Or, um, you know, maybe you run a skills enhancement program in the hood or something, and you look, and, and, yeah. yeah, and you don't know about this, but you could have maybe gotten your people placed because you had a relationship with a big QOF that had that as part of their mandate. You know, so those are the those are the reasons it's important. I think Mr. Robinson says it best. He says, "If you think education is expensive, try ignorance." Listen. So that's that's th- perfect. That just tells you right there. So yeah, man, that's that's yeah, that's a, that's amazing. So if you were talking to back, put your Wall Street hat on, yeah, and you were talking to qualified investors with capital gains or these people that would fit in this, what would you say to them? Well, I would say, um, I'd say, frankly, they should be talking to guys like us mm-hmm. um, because we are in these communities, right? Um, you know, you probably had scouted this place. Well, maybe, I mean, you're, you're ahead of the curve. I mean, maybe you knew it was an OZ. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're in these communities. And so if you want to do and, and fulfill the mandate of this thing, Talk to guys like us who are close to it, close to the deals. The heartbeat. The heartbeat. You know, we're also going to show you stuff that you couldn't find on your own. Um, the best example is, uh, you know, the reason that 
guys like me who grew up in the hip hop generation, but also have this financial services background, were so touched by you know losing Nipsey, is because he was hip to all this, mm-hmm. right? His his shop, the Marathon Store at Crenshaw and Lawson, he bought that. He used to rent there. Mm-hmm. You know why he bought it? OZ, because it's in an OZ. Right, he partnered with a private equity guy, a guy named David Gross, and they saw that it was in an opportunity zone, and they said, "F renting, we gonna buy it." So they literally bought the block. Makes more sense. Makes more sense. So he was just um, he was doing a lot of things right. Um, he was thinking about this in a holistic way. It wasn't just about the clothing store. It wasn't just about the real estate. It was about all of it. Mm-hmm. And to your point, you know, he was already in the community. Right, he started that store before the tax bill even got written. That's just who he was. It was genuine anyway. It was genuine anyway. <clears throat> so you know, I would say you know to to make sure to partner with people in the community. Um, there are sophisticated people who are close to these communities, who can help you to to shepherd and, and steer that capital um, in a responsible way that also makes a bunch of money. Yeah. So here's what I would challenge you. I mean, you're you're here, you're you're real close to this. I think what we should do is. Um, one, you and I need to set up an Opportunity Zone webinar free just mm-hmm. to educate everybody. I love that. And then let's pop into five cities over the next five months, mm-hmm. three months. Let's do five cities in the next three months, yeah. and we'll do free Opportunity Zone talks. I love that. There it goes. That's easy. Just like that. It's easy. Let me tell you something. <laughs> when Max Maxwell has an idea, it is not 30 days before it's going to be a reality. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Big facts. Yeah. I like so I'm, that. I'm actually looking at websites right now as we were talking. He's like, probably booking flights right now. Yeah, <laughs> domains and buying everything. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. And um, you know what's interesting, man, is, uh, and again, kudos to you on dealing with that other conversation. I feel like there's something in the air. Mm-hmm. Do you feel it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it can go two ways. And it could go two ways. <laughs> but I like that that is there. But people are aware of it. They're having this conversation about, you know, buying back the block and what does that really look like mm-hmm. and um, empowerment through economics. So it's a it's a cool time. And, and if you're of that mindset, then this is something you need to be hip to. Yeah, man, this is this is awesome. I'm glad we finally had a talk about Opportunity yeah. Zone. Some of the new regs you promised. Get me over some links yeah. that I can drop yeah, in I'll the show that. notes so people can educate themselves, maybe look up their own Opportunity Zone totally. to that yeah. to see where it is. Um, I got mine's pulled up right here in yeah. North Carolina. Um, it's mapped out pretty clear. Yeah. Um, so and you know what to that point real quick um, so you know when we were relaunching Ari I Skip here pretty soon mm-hmm. um, oh yeah I forgot about that so this is relevant in the sense that <clears throat> we already have a, a vacant flag so when people upload their lists into REI Rail um, we'll tell them if the property is vacant mm-hmm. we're working on adding an OZ flag so that when people upload their properties they'll know mm. right right away right away this is OZ yeah. house yeah. love it love it so yeah, he talked about uh, he talked about relaunching uh, REI Skips since we bought that last September. Before, yeah, yeah, around before then. Yeah. Um, and uh, really relaunching that and to put, making skip tracing real again. Um, but man, I just appreciate you coming out yeah. here, and I know you got to get on a flight here soon. But appreciate you coming out here and talking about this, and we will be holding some free webinars just talking yeah, about it, just information. Just it ain't selling you nothing, no. and then we'll hold. I think we'll we'll hold some webinars for both sides. One for in, uh, investors, yeah. and one uh, for one one with one for people with capital gains. Okay, and then we'll hold another side for 
you know, you know, real estate investors yep. that that can are working in opportunity zones currently and, and how they can benefit from that. Right. So do both. I love Who it. cares? And we'll go five cities in the next three months. Done. So if you think we should be coming yeah. to your city to talk about this, just drop just Absolutely. drop your city in the comments and we'll show up. Yeah. So any departing words for anybody out there, man? Um no, not really. I just just get educated. You know, it, it's really important. It's critical to you. Again, I'll just say, um, you know, uh, whether you know about it or not, it will impact you. Yeah. Um, the last thing I, I guess I would say, I, I think I've talked enough about OZs, is just, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't just give Max a shout out publicly for all the work that he does. Appreciate it, man. This facility, the amount of work, time, effort uh, that goes into it is not inconsequential. Uh, lastly, so I think I told you <clears throat> that I was uh, I was in North Carolina initially because uh, my buddy's dad passed. Mm -hmm. Went to the funeral. Beautiful, beautiful celebration of his life. Pastor got up and he said, uh, God needs me not for my ability, but for my availability. Mm. And you have made yourself available to the people. So kudos to you. Appreciate it, man. I have to shout you out publicly. Appreciate that. And I appreciate you. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. Make sure you guys go follow Vince on social media. He's, I think he's worse. Are you worse than Justin in social media? We're neck and neck. We're pretty bad. <laughs> We're both So Shout out your IG real quick so people can go follow you. I think it's Investor Vince. I think, yeah, I don't think I put any spaces in there. We'll put it in the show notes. Because I don't really know. Because he that's how, <laughs> that's how bad he is. Yeah, it's bad. We'll put it in the show notes, man. It's I appreciate bad. everybody tuning in. Please, please, if you're listening to on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. Share this video with somebody that needs to hear about Opportunity Zones. Play it back. Make sure you check out the notes. Go see if your area you work in is yeah. in the Opportunity Zone. And if you're listening on iTunes, please, 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 I'm begging you to please give me a five-star rating with some comments so we can climb up this charts because everybody needs to hear this information that we're giving out for free, man. I appreciate you once again, and I'll see you guys on the flip side. Thank you for listening to the Wholesaling Houses Elite Podcast with Max Maxwell. Make sure to tune in next week to see what elite wholesaler will have in the hot seat.